thank you and welcome again to day number two. And I can see that half of you were yesterday. And we were 12 yesterday and four today. So that shows how how successful I was yesterday. So it's just that. No, uh, I made this as a, as a course for three days, which is possible to follow three days, but it should be possible to get some good out of it for just jumping into two. But... Uh, let me just repeat a little bit about what we talked about yesterday because we talked about how to understand a text. Because before you have something to preach, you need to know what, what is there, really. And um, so that's the art of uh, exegesis, uh, which is, uh, I mean, how do you see not only the words you are reading, but see it in a wider context and, and draw in both things from the text itself from the book, from the genre it's written in, and the whole Bible, but also from historical context and cultural context to see what is what is really what is written mean of this text. And sometimes it changes changes completely, that you end up with another conclusion than you than you started with. You say, "Wow, is it that deep? Is it that wide? Is it that fantastic?" So um, today we're going to look on when you have done the your process right. When you have found out what a text means, how do you do the process from the idea you have of, of this is what the text says and, and to the outline of a sermon. And tomorrow we will look into what is it like being on stage in front of people and, and uh, deliver the message. Which means that I will probably uh, expose all my own Weaknesses, and <laughs> because you see me now, how many rules do I break when I talk to you now? So, um, but uh, this is, I mean, the process. You you start with something, uh, and you you go to uh, to a, a script, a sermon outline. The the newcomers, of you have you been preaching sometime? Have have you? But you you don't have to. But but it could be a dream, could be a calling could be everything. When God called me to preach, I had not preached once. No, I had not been preaching at all, just having kind of devotion talks and prayers sometimes. Uh, so, <clears throat> the thing is that um, the process is about how you carve out the preaching on the basis of the exegesis you already have done. Sometimes it's, you start with the idea and then you have to do the exegesis afterwards. Uh, and how do you make a script and, and an outline that engages, enlightens, and gives revelation and change people's lives by bringing them from A to B? Because we are inviting people on a, on a process when you're preaching. You're starting on A and you want, want them to come to B. And uh, sometimes I'm discouraged because I say, well, people don't remember what I was preaching last Sunday. But the thing is that I often doesn't remember it myself. So how can I, how can I expect that to have any influence on others? But I believe in preaching. I believe that preaching in the long run is really changing people. Maybe not from Sunday to Sunday. You may change the direction a little bit. You may change your thoughts. But the privilege of, of standing in front of people and, 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 and influence people through preaching, through giving God's perspective on things. That's a fantastic thing. It's, it's really one of the greatest things I do, really. 
And uh, that is the art of homiletics. That's a word which is unknown to, to many, but if, if, you, if you Google homiletics, you will find that this is an old art and people have been reflecting on how do I make a good sermon. They have been reflecting on that since two, three hundreds after Christ. Is that specifically within a Christian perspective or can it be applied to... Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think it's mainly used yeah. within uh, Christian circles. No, it's not. No, it's also a secular term, by the way, because it, it is an art of I mean, presenting a message. But, but when I've been seeing it in practical use, that's the questions you use it. Um, so, um, yesterday we talked about exegesis part, which is finding the meaning for the original audience. When we talked about exegesis, taking things out from the text instead of reading your own perspectives into the text and to find the plain meaning. What did Jesus really mean? What did God mean? What's the meaning of this story? Uh, and, and then theology. Why was it written? Why is it included in the Bible? Uh, what kind of points should we, could we draw from it? And then we come to the homiletic part. Who is your audience? And how do you make your sermon that is relevant for this audience? Um, and the main point for me today if, if you should remember one thing, that is, find a big idea. What do you really want to express? Uh, I've been trying to be listening to the big ideas on, on the preachers we've had uh, these days. What was the meaning, what was a big idea for, for, uh, for Mike Pelavachi yesterday? Yesterday night. What did he say? What, what was the kind of idea he presented? Yes, eat, uh, what did they call it, Sahara, lunch, chicken, and not, not, uh, not, not Big Mac, yeah, not, not McDonald's. I guess if he had presented, when he made this big idea for himself, he, he would say it a little differently, because this was more a slogan, right? But at the same time, he, he was uh, revealing what he really wanted to say, is that do not go for the cheap solution go for the things that takes time but really changes you. I mean, I mean, something like that, I think he would have said. Based on the scriptures, I don't remember which scripts he used. What was the big theme for, the, the big idea for Fleming this morning? I mean, what basically, Jesus is amazing. He had it like a, a big... Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I thought I had it when I was sitting there. I was translating today. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, I had it while he was speaking. <laughs> what was it? Uh, oh well, I thought I had it. Okay. Like, let me, I'm a little bit confused because he said that uh, it was in the start. He said he was going to talk about uh, new families. Yes. And then he didn't yeah. for yeah. an hour. Yeah. Right. Right. And then he prayed That's for right. more families. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the thing is that you don't have to tell people what the big idea is because it comes out in slogans, it comes out in, in, in things like the, the chicken and the, and, the, and the Big Mac, but it should be directed for you. And it's so much easier if you, if you have a text and you say, this is what I want people to remember. But it's also okay to have a big idea which you express in the beginning, in the middle, and at the end, right? To say that this is what I want you to remember today. Life is not easy but God is good. I mean, things like that. If you say that, you say it in the beginning, you say it in, 
in the middle and you say it in the end. And, and this is carved out and packed in the Bible verses. You, you, you need to prove a point. Uh, it, it makes an impact. It makes an impact. Um, but it's, it's important for you because you need to go to the point. You, you need to go to where you want people, where you want to bring people. Uh, so what is the one thing you want people to remember after, after, uh, after your sermon? Uh, I have stopped being a supporter of five bullet points, seven bullet points to, to easy life. I see that after a Sunday sermon, people will remember one thing. And what is the one thing you want them to remember? So I've, I try to jot it down to more or less nothing because I would rather see that people remember one thing and do something with that one thing more than having a list they won't remember anyway. And I don't remember the day after. Even it's even if it's a good list. So I seldom do. I'm, I may do. Uh, and this may happen in two different ways. It may be as we did yesterday. We we started with we started with the Bible, and then we went through the process, and we found out what does this Bible passage really say, and what we find amazes us, and we we found that wow, this must be told. I'm sometimes that I that I really find that well the world needs to know this, mm-hmm. and sometimes God's given me give me a revelation through reading books and through working with it, and I say wow the world needs to know this, and I still haven't made that sermon. <laughs> it it hasn't been time for it, but I know it's there. Uh, or it may start with an idea. I mean just a. a brief uh, perspective of a biblical book or an idea, something you see in your real life and you think, well, this is important. Where do I find something about that in the Bible? You process it and you end up with an exegesis. I can use an example. Um, like, the, I was thinking one day, well, the, the Bible is written for whom? It's written for the poor and the downtrodden. And I said, we are not poor, we are not downtrodden, we are successful people living in a rich world. Isn't the Bible written for us? And when I started pondering with that thought, I found that, well, there's one book that is written for rich people. Which is it? Book of Job. It could be, (laughs) because you're not far away, but I I was not thinking of, uh, but you're close, you're close. And Job also has a lot to say to people from, from uh, rich and successful, at least those who have been high and then fallen low. No Ecclesiastes. Right? It's, it's the King Solomon who has, who has reached the top, who has everything. And then he found out that he has nothing. And he got, de- he got depressed and he tries to find out what in this world is, is worth achieving. And he never comes through, but he comes to the point where he, where he says, that, well, at least... I'm still depressed, but at least I found that the best thing is to, to serve the Lord. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's a, it's a sermon not, not held still, but it started with an idea, and I've been pondering with the, with the scriptures, and then I end up with an with a exegesis on it. So I made, I, made, I made a draft, I've not made a sermon. 
So, uh, uh, but I think both of them should be biblical. Either you read something and you find the meaning and you preach it, or you have an idea, or you could be both. Could be a combination. But there is, I mean, we talk about um, topical or what, what, what is the other we call it? Biblical preaching. Yeah. I mean, either you take a book and you preach it from verse, 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 or or you take a piece from the Bible and you preach from that, or you have the topical preaching, which also has been very popular. And I will say that topical preaching is okay, but even for topical preaching, I think we should connect it to the Bible as clearly, or one Bible passage as much as we can. Because I've been listening to sermons where, let's say it's a sermon about... Uh, about uh, Money and family, for example. Money, let's say it's money. You draw one Bible verse, you say something about money. You draw the next Bible verse, say something about money. And the third, and the fourth, and the fifth, and the sixth. And the thing is that you, you often miss the line. You miss the development. You miss the... It's, it's just a bunch of, of, of facts. And afterwards, if I ask you, what was this sermon about? Well, it was something about money, right? There's no progression, very often. I will say, if you are preaching, for example, on, let's say, a modern thing you can't easily find in the Bible, it's like internet, use of internet, I would maybe choose a topical preaching and, and, and try to make the line as straight as possible, talking about that. But it's more work for me, and it's hard for people to remember. If you have a Bible verse to connect it to, and you go... You can have other scriptures too, because it's topical, right? You will involve other parts of the scripture. Let's say it's um, money was not the best. Uh, let's say it's about sex and family, sex, sex life. Um, you can have lots of things talking about. You, you could talk about porn. You could talk about fornication. You could talk about being unfaithful with your eyes being seduced. I mean, lots of things. Or you could say, well, there's one scripture I want to return to. What about the scripture when Jesus talks about uh, being clean by heart and not let your eyes decide? For example, I would return to that and return to that and return to that and return to that and include other things as well. Because in the end of the day, people will rem remember this verse you shared and these others will be just appendix. This is my personal meaning on that. You may disagree, you may do it differently, but you get so much free, free work if you, if you connect it to something deep in the Bible, in what you want to share. Um, you, you may stop me. We're not so many people today, so it's easy just to keep the conversation going, as you say. Um, so, let's talk about some structure. As I said, we want to, we want to follow people from point A to point B as I said before you came Thomas that uh, that you cannot change you will s s seldom change people completely from week to week I sometimes hope that will happen it happens if people take decisions I remember what Fleming said it was you're only one decision away from a big change in your life I think that's great but he, he, he was doing other things too, so it's not that easy to remember. But, but, but as, a, as a tagline, yeah. 
and as a, as a big idea, I think it's great. Because it's true. But, uh, <clears throat> but over time, when we share with people, we change the direction a little bit and we, people take decisions and, and it's, uh, it's great. But people are not in a place where they should be when we start. People come from everywhere. They do not have their, they do not have the attention they need. They maybe are thinking more about the conflict they had with their husband when they came to church rather than, rather than what you are going to share. So how do we build up a sermon that makes an impact? I will present you for two models. Could be others. And I'm not always following these models myself, but I have them in my back head. Because it's a beginning to the end kind of thing. And one, one, one is, uh, is really a business model, but I've been using it sometimes, which is uh, AIDA, Attention, Interest, Desire, Action. Uh, and this is best for more shorter, more evangelistic, more right-to-the-point sermons. If I had 12 minutes, I would not leave this one. I would do this one, nothing else. Right? In some modern churches, you have 12 minutes. I think that's very short, but I think it's okay. But it, I mean, because it forces you to go right to the point. So the thing is that then you need to catch the attention. Uh, either through a slogan or a short story and by an action, by doing something which, uh, which makes people think, wow, here is something, I need to listen to this, right? And you, you just have this much time to, to do that. I've been preaching in the street and, and then, then you really need to catch people's attention because people are passing. What do you do to, to, to keep the attention or to get the attention is right. Um, so uh, some some examples. Um, I have once I started with a sentence: uh, um, "Being being successful is overrated." Or I, I didn't say that. I said uh, fee, having a good time is overrated. Wow. How can you say that? I'm trying to get, have a good time all the time, right? Uh, but at least you say something a little provocative, short, something which makes people uh, uh, stop up and, and, and uh, ask what is, what is he talking about. And then you take the interest. Why do you mean that? Why is that important? Yes, and I will say because when you have a tough time, and maybe you have a tough time now, that is when God is working in your heart. Right. This is very, this is a very short sermon. <laughs> but then comes the desire. If if you reach them there in the interest thing, then you have the desire. This is what you need to know. If you have a tough time, you should embrace that and include God in that, because He will be there and He will change you. Right. And then you come to the action point. This is the shortest sermon you ever heard. <laughs> Four sentences. Four sentences. <laughs> And the, the last thing is action, what do you do? Yes. I mean, raise your hands and say after me, God, life is tough, but I will include you in everything. 
and every day and I will see my life be changed. Right? You see what I mean? This is four steps and you're, you're through. And everyone will say, I'll remember this sermon forever. Mm. Right? Um, so, so this is a short thing. Evangelistic. The last point, action, right? Yeah, that's um, bow your knees and say yes to Jesus. And your life will be changed from today. Is that part often an uh, invitation to for prayer or for yeah, yeah. something oh, practical? Yeah. Yes, right? yes. We raise our hands, we stand up. Right, yeah. right. That's what we do. And we, we talk more about that tomorrow. How, how do we... Because that's one of the great things about Vineyard, I think, that that we don't stop when we close the Bible and say the sermon is over. I mean, that's when the Holy Spirit continues his work. So, uh, the next structure is one I use the more, and which I learned from, from Andy Stanley, which is an author and preacher, and that is uh, me, you, me, you, God, you, we. That's not a distant tribe in the Amazonas. It's a preaching, preaching form. And then still you have the big idea you follow, of course, but it starts with me, right? It doesn't have to be me, but often it's me because I share something from my own life. I hate involving myself in my sermon, but over the years I've learned that there's no escape. That doesn't mean that I need to be private. I should never be private unless the Lord leads me, but, but I should be personal, which means that I'm showing that I'm, I'm also a normal person with normal struggles and, uh, and that, that I'm, not, I'm not where God wants me. Right. Um, and the next is well maybe you are not that different from me mm. I mean you're also a human being mm-hmm. if I'm tempted you are tempted I guess if not maybe you're lying to yourself I'm not sure but uh, if I have this problem at least with some in this congregation we have the same problem so if, if we are there what is it in the Bible which says something about this because the Bible is quite wise it has a lot to say about lots of things right so we read the Bible together and I do the exegesis so this is a exegetical part or the sermon part anyway to say what does, what does God have to say about this and then we turn back to you if this is true if it's true that God can be in your temptations and, and, and be with you and help you through it then that's an invitation for you. And, and then the last thing is the we thing. That is more, what if the church really grasped? What if the, why the church really grasped this fact? I mean, Jesus led this as a foundation and we very often miss it. What if everyone saw this and practiced it? The world would be a changed world. <laughs> right? This is raising the vision and see the potential here in, in the church really taking a step up so um, you, you mentioned the, the action part from the last I mean that's, that is missing here that's what we have to add on yeah. so the sermon in a way or the method stops here and then I will say Holy Spirit what now
questions or comments to those um, the way methods? Uh, this is phrased, it would almost seem as if uh, this would fit uh, a top goal sermon best. Top goal? What do you mean by that? Uh, if I would uh, instead uh, uh, start with scripture, that perspective. Yeah. Like today we're going to talk, maybe we have uh, like uh, this um, summer we're mm. going to preach through this book in the oh, Bible. Yeah. So yes. everyone knows from the get-go that, yeah. well, today we are talking about chapter two. I see. Yeah. How would you apply that to this model? It's a good question. It's a very good question. Because... Uh, I mean, uh, often I think I could follow the same model because somewhere along the road you will read the Bible. You probably yeah. read the Bible around here. Mm. So you can still start with your personal story because, because you, 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 you get people interested in what you want to talk about. And then you say, this is what we're going to talk about today. Mm. This is chapter 2. And chapter 2 is all about this. Okay. If you see... I'm, 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 Recommended yesterday to to listen to preachers who who you admire and who you like, and uh, one of the preachers I really like introductions to, but I haven't shown an example here because uh, because he's too long. That's uh, that's uh, Rich Nathan. Have you been listening to? He's been a pastor in Wiener Columbus. He's been on summer camp earlier. Have you been listening to him sometimes? No, sometimes, yeah. Because he's spending a long time on the introduction. And that's, I mean, that's me, you, the me, you thing, more or less. He's, because he's, he's, he's talking about, not personally necessarily, but an introduction where he says, this is how the American society works. I mean, this is what people are thinking. This is how weird it can be. This is how, this is what I meet around here. This is what we look in media, and he's more focused on the society. And then he says, let's look in the Bible. And because then he, he gets some uh, recognition of, of this is where we are, this is how the Americans are, this is how our society is. And then he, then he goes on. And he spends a lot of time just to lead people into the mindset of this is our problem, right? Mm -hmm. so, and, but he preaches sometimes 45 minutes, which means that he has time for a, mm -hmm. for a long introduction. Um, but let me... If you go to the attention part, let's look back to the former model. Let me introduce you to the to the master of of uh, attention. Uh, he is making attention through his whole sermon sometimes. Uh, Francis Chan, have you ever heard him? Known him? I think so, yeah. He was at the in Oslo, by the way, quite recently. He's he's a quite inspiring preacher, really. Uh, but this is just the beginning of a sermon. I've been copying this 100%, by the way, uh, two times, I think. So it's only coming here, but I think it's, this is, uh, it's okay. So I just turn it like this. I look forward to it. You know, I'm going to bring an illustration that this is like the first illustration I did. It was 20 years ago, but I can't think of a better way to, to explain it. Um, I actually didn't use a rope back then. I used a, remember, a, remember computer paper when uh, it was all stuck together? And it had the holes on the side that you had to peel off. Remember that? I remember getting a, a roll. Some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, which is crazy to me. But uh, 
because that was the best, you know. And um, and it never worked right because of the rolling things. But uh, but I, I had I remember being a youth pastor and I put uh, that computer paper all the way around the room. And uh, but I'm going to use a rope now because I can't find that computer paper. Um, imagine this rope. Okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever. Okay. Just imagination. Pretend it goes around the world a few times. It doesn't. It ends at the rock. But uh, let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. And you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh, man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about that? What about all this stuff? It's just it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can? Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid. Because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid, because that's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I look. I look at the way people live, and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going you're gonna to do that right now, just to enjoy right now, not even knowing if you have tomorrow, and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb. It doesn't make any sense. Paul goes, I'm not going to look around at all this stuff. And it's tempting. It's tempting to all of us. That's what I'm saying down here. It's crazy because everyone lives that way. Everyone lives for the red part. No one's thinking about the millions of years afterwards. It's, it's just this crazy deception that we can't get out of our minds. And Paul goes, I'm not doing that. He goes, I keep my eyes on that. I keep my eyes on that finish line. And I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm not looking around. I'm just going to, I'm straining. He goes, I'm straining forward. I'm like stretching forward for that mark. I'm going to pass this thing. I'm going to live this out. And I'm going to face him. I'm going to come before the judges. And he's going to hand me that trophy. He goes, I'm going to get it. And I haven't gotten there yet. He goes, but I, you better believe I'm using every muscle, exerting every bit about me. Because I'm going to pass that line well. I mean, if you're not 
if you're not grasping his point, then and so wow, <laughs> am I that stupid? I'm only thinking on this life and not on eternity. Then you miss the whole thing, I think. <laughs> because I mean, he's he's doing just that. He's getting the attention and putting things in perspective. What's going on, man? Okay, uh, some words about the balance, because there is always a balance between the imperative and the indicative. The indicative is what is is what what is there. You're just describing what is there. I mean, like the grace of God, you maybe inviting people in to experience things which are up there, and you have the imperative, which is you need to do, you need to repent, you need to do this and that to 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 get into this. It's. I mean, it's uh, it's the balance between challenge and imitation, and uh, and sometimes uh, the I mean, being versus doing, identity versus growth and change, uh, grace versus work, uh, what we have in Jesus, what we can get. Uh, sometimes you see that the structure or the balance is in the text. I'm the vine, you got the branches. That's very indicative, right? This is the fact. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, that's very imperative. You have to remain in me. And in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, And whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. Uh, That's uh, very imperative. Maybe the whole thing is imperative here, I'm not sure. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses a life for me and the gospel will save. I will say maybe the whole passage is imperative, by the way. But you will, you will put in some indicative things there to say that. Uh, I mean, Jesus wants to. Jesus, if uh, Jesus wants you to save a life, right? Save it. At least that's an indicative thing. So sometimes we may put too much emphasis on one thing which make people legalistic, right? You must do, you must take these steps, you must take, 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 take these actions. Or you may be too indicative, which makes people lazy or unwilling to change. So, um, making a sermon, you need to see who is your audience. Um, Andy Stanley again, which I quoted earlier, he's talking about, he has a book really called Wide and, wide, wide and Deep. So he questions, do, do we talk wide to all the people who do not know Jesus at all? Who makes people who have known him for a long time be bored because this is too basic? Or do we go for the people who really want to see more of the Lord and, and leave outside the people who are first-timers? And he says it's possible to do both. It's possible within one sermon to, to, to grasp people, to bring them along, and to give something to everything. And I really believe it. And one of the guys who made me believe it was, uh, was uh, Rich Nathan, really, which I mentioned. Because he's so much including people on the walk, and, and he's making it simple, and at the same time he's going deep. So, so I thought it for a while impossible to preach to both unbelievers and believers. I don't believe that anymore. I think we can do that. Um, and I believe in the keep it simple, stupid kiss. Uh, avoid Christianese, which is uh, the Christian language, as much, as much as we can. It doesn't mean that we don't have 
special words which we use among Christians. Grace is a word like that. But when I preach, I will sometimes explain grace instead of saying grace. What is grace? Grace is God's undeserved favor. Why don't we say that sometimes? Why don't we, why don't we explain grace and say, but when God's grace comes, which is God's undeserved favor, this will happen. Right? Uh, we think sometimes that we need to do special, special words to, to explain, but, but we don't. I find sometimes that I find myself when I try to talk plain Norwegian, because I'm a plain Norwegian myself. Right? I, I should not be pumped up or try to, to be something I'm not. I'm an ordinary Norwegian using ordinary language among ordinary people. Why should I do different when I'm, when I'm in my own people? Uh, be personal or private, we've talked about that. Avoid the 12 bullet points, go for one bullet point. That's another thing we talked about. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, stick to the big idea. We're talking about that too. Which means that there are things you need to exclude, which you think, ah, well, I really need to talk about this. But it's not a time. It's for another sermon. I found sometimes that at least if you're not a regular preacher, the one time you get a chance, you think, wow, this is my chance. And you pack in everything. But still, it's avoid, resist the temptation to include everything in your life. Because if you want an impact, it needs to be simple. And you need to... Sometimes I've been making the outline and what I've been throwing out is just as much or more than I've been including because I found, this has nothing to do with, with, with the red line, with the dotted line I'm trying to make. But with some practice, you learn to not include them in the first time. <laughs> Try to stick with the idea. Um, I, use, I, I will show an example. I use headlines, sub-headlines, bullet points, everything which makes a structure I can follow. Then I'm not that dependent on the text either. I follow the structure more than the text I will show you in a moment. Uh, fine uh, note style that fits for you it, it could be that you really want to write the full manuscript I do that very often because it's part of my process and I write quite fast so I write as if I should write a book uh, it could be that you only write uh, make the keynote, keynotes could be that you just make a draft by hand could be that you make a outline first and then you make keynotes by hand or it could be that you take uh, post-it no, stick it, I, post-it stickers uh, just <laughs> I mean whatever makes you feel that, uh, that that you are creativity in a way which makes it easy to, to deliver um, so there's no rule I've said some some of the gurus say that the best is if, if you don't have a script at all or if you just have a small, small notes with some words on it and then the rest is a process you can do. Maybe. I've not made that work really. Uh, but if you make a full text, as I do sometimes, never, 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 never read it. If you stand and you read from the script, because this is what I plan to say, it will be dead and dull. So I sometimes, I, I do my full text, sometimes I just emphasize some words, 
and I f and, 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 and make them bold, and I follow those words instead. You could make them red or yellow or whatever, but 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 something. So, so I just I just go down to my script. I see the keywords in the script, and I'm following those and going from uh, going from point to point. So <clears throat> we find a tool that works if it's electronic or whatever. Uh, what I do just to share that is um well i think yeah i think i have both those it's not so easy to see but i use what we call the outline uh dispositions modus outline mode in in word which makes it easy to see the different levels and i can expand the text like i do here or i can just go down so i just see the headlines and i can change the sequence on the headlines so I can see the structure. I make the structure in the text itself. So it's easy to throw out. It's easy to change. It's easy to say, well, well this, this wasn't really the sequence I wanted. And, and then I use bullet points under that on two levels with black bullet points for, for the, main, the main part and, and then for details, the, the not black uh, bullet points under it. So this is, uh, this is, in fact, the whole sermon on the right side. Do not fear. Main idea, the, the big idea. Then uh, introduction, what Jesus says. And then scripture, and then the prayer, and then the exegesis. Uh, Jesus taught us that each of us has an unlimited value for our Father, Jesus learned us that God is in control. This is from Mark 4. Jesus has conquered the evil one. Jesus will come again. It's four points. But still, it's one point, and that's the central idea, which I don't remember. That is, uh, when, we when we have faith in Jesus, that makes us to people who can stand strong when it storms. That's that's a big idea. Based on the story with Jesus and the disciples on, on the in the stormy sea. And and some conclusions, what does that mean in practical life? And then and then what about Tenkom? That's uh, that's the last last part. I thought that you now, yeah, you can use some minutes on um, on uh, making your own draft. Just in, I mean, short sentences like I was doing now. If you have a phone, if you have a paper, if you have, if you don't have anything, should I try and get something? If you have, yeah, I have, I have a, I have some papers myself, by the way. Um, so try and find try and find the main idea. If you're not coming through, just start somewhere and see see what this next ten minutes gives you. So try to find a, a it's it's from the means a big idea. Uh, and then try to find some uh, I take either the right side or the left side by the way. You you cannot do both. Uh, 
Um, the main idea from this was is that then attention, interest, desire, action would short, 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 half limited. Is that okay? Mm. You understand it? myself to give you time until 12 o'clock and it just turned 12. Is, is it okay to stop now? Yes. It was just giving you a, a short impression. This was speed homolithics, by the way. <laughs> You'll never do it that fast again, but maybe doing it fast sometimes is good because it gives you a short framework. So um, could, could you share with me some some uh, big ideas you, you came up with. Are there someone who wrote something which is worth sharing? Yes. Yes? Come on. Um, I use the left model. Yeah. And uh, the big idea is uh, summer camp, our summer camp. Mm -hmm. And uh, the opening attention part is once upon a time for long time ago I was invited on a trip. It should be many people there, it should be fun and exciting mm. and all, all, what, all what it could long for. Mm. Later I have traveled to this place once a year and told everybody I met on my way that this is the best thing I know in the world and the most important, important thing I do with my life. Mm. And that was the attention part. And then, how and an interesting part is how have we got there? Mm. How can it be that this is so great here? Mm. Has it come by itself? Mm. And then I go into the growing. God is giving mm. seeds and it has growth and it has expanded and yeah, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How far I got. Mm. I think it was a good idea. It's a good idea. But I, I, but I have one, one objection. I would say that the, the big idea should be based on the Bible verse because maybe what's, 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 the, what's the main thing you think is, is you learn from the Bible verse which you want to push on others okay. so instead of saying summer camp because that's not the message <laughs> so but, but, but saying that yeah are, are there others who have big ideas instead of my trying to tell something okay. yeah yeah the big idea would be enriching uh, 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 Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then I s uh, started with uh, uh, some small, stupid, uh, funny thing I've uh, mm. done. Uh, with, uh, making a tapet for again. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of work trying to get it, uh, and it started falling. Mm -hmm. And we went to sleep and woke up and looked at it, and everything was okay. So God did the work in the background. Mm. Mm. So all right, this is important to you. So I would uh, talk about Schlitterstrev, Kandelblind. Sorry for the language. No, no, bara ta det. Jag tror att det kommer på tak uansett. Okay. So that, uh, and then uh, desire. God has control. So yeah. give everything to Him. Yeah. Don't be stressed. Mm. And action. Uh, Yeah, some for the good. Mm. Bra. Yeah. Bra. Bra. Yeah. Yeah. Andre, others? Well, 
Plankot's word. Hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. Hmm. That's your big idea. Yeah. Hmm. I would suggest because maybe I didn't share enough about the big idea. I thought I'd share it, but but it, 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 if there is some kind of of imperative in indicative violence there too, that I mean, this is what happens when I mean share. I mean, plant God's words, and you will see change. I mean, something like that. I, I would prefer. Ah, I mean, so I have a kind of visual of like mm. around that for myself, like to be willing. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. We are reminded we don't really control or understand how mm. how growth right. happens. Yeah. And yeah. to be ready mm. and to actually do it when we get an opportunity. Mm. So yeah. To me that's a bit big idea than what you really oh, shared. Oh, oh, because okay. because then yeah. the, the, there's some yeah. there's some it's action, action and hope in it, if you see what I mean. So so I, I would I would rather take what you said now, More maybe make it shorter but, but really make a sentence which you well we don't know how change is happening, but God is doing it without us knowing. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Could be good. Good. Others? Yeah, did, did you continue on these other points? Are there something more there? Yeah, not completely. But yeah, yeah. yeah, something you want to share? From... I think my... The pendulum, uh, the willingness and not understanding, and mm. and what God's doing. Mm. Mm. Uh, I yeah. think that would have been part of a big part of the thread or mm. m- multiple threads woven together. Mm. Sometimes you know what God is doing, sometimes you don't, and you so don't know how. And God is not doing it. It's not your job to. Yeah. yeah. Your job is to be willing. Your job is that's right. Yeah. Uh, others. Was a good example with the sweater. Was yeah, 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 right. Sixteen years. <coughs> Nothing. Good idea. Changed a lot. Yes, yes, that's right. Very good idea. Yeah. Just one thing I want to say in the end, and that is just going back to your question about uh, about uh, what if you what if you do. Um, what if you say this is chapter two and that's what what we want to take today? And what I answered was that you can you can use its structure there too. But I wasn't really giving you a good answer, I think, because because there is a difference between preaching and teaching, mm-hmm. and I haven't really ch- touched that because this is mainly preaching. That means that you have a message from A to B. I mean, your job is to bring people from A to B. That's preaching. If you talk about teaching, then plain teaching, we often have a mix, but, but if you talk about plain teaching, that's more saying that this is what the Bible says. And if you want to come more into the biblical world, you need to listen to me now, because chapter 2 is saying this. Then you go from verse to verse and you're just explaining the verses. It's a brilliant way to walk through the Bible, and I often listen to teachers who, who are good. I mentioned David Gusick yesterday. He's a American uh, Calvary Chapel preacher. I mean, he's good. He's ju- good in just hang- taking this verse and saying, "But, but really, what this means is it?" And then he goes to the next. But he has no A and B. Yeah. <laughs> he's just explaining it, mm-hmm. and and what God is doing on part of that is that's up to God. So that's that's one extreme, and the other extreme is very much 
A to B actually, uh, IE dot model, right? Yeah. And and you have you have everything in between. But I will s I normally what I'd be in doing doing most is preaching. Uh, I would love just talking about the Bible and taking it from one to B, but often what we do is we preach from one chapter and then we will try to find what is this chapter telling us. Mm. Yeah. But it's not wrong not to not to have that, right? Okay. Um, I think do am I Nian? Yes, I'm a Nian. Uh, so thank you for listening. And uh, tomorrow, if you are here or not, I'm talking about being a stage person. I mean, preaching could be much more than being on stage. It can even be in being on a stage which is on the same level and five people listening, right? But it could also be that you share in a group. You're not on a stage, you're sharing in a smaller smaller group. Yeah. Do you have some minutes, minutes with uh, how to stage dive? Yes. <laughs> That's uh, stage diving is not working among Christians because all of them are sitting in a back bench. So if you're stage diving, you you die, right? You have to invite everyone. For yeah, prayer yeah, yeah, yeah. First, first for for prayer, and then say raise your hands and then yeah. Okay, um, I put some papers out here with uh, email. Uh, I have your email, and I update you. Uh, for the rest of you, if you want, if you want uh, to just get a run runtime version of the of the file today, mm -hmm. and just uh, mm -hmm. put your name on, mm -hmm. yeah, and I'll send you the file from yesterday too. Yes, good. Have a good lunch. <laughs>